Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We're back in the book of First Kings. We are um, going to be looking at chapter 3 and chapter 4 today. Last time, Solomon had entered a marriage alliance with uh, the king of, king of Egypt, and he took Pharaoh's daughter, and he brought her back to the city of Jerusalem. That was not, prob- that was not a good move. It was kind of, McGee says that was a mistake. Um, he doesn't need to make an alliance with the king of Egypt. He's got God on his side. He doesn't need to enter marry with a, a wife that doesn't believe in God. He doesn't need that, uh, but he thinks he does. Uh, in any event, um, it says Solomon. We were looking at Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, and he offered a lot of all offerings Um says he used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. So we at, at uh, and he did this at Gibeon because they didn't have an altar yet built at Jerusalem. And so last time we saw verse five at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. So God is offering Solomon, you know, the ability to wish for something. Uh, and Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. And you've kept him for this great and steadfast love and have given uh, him a son. He's talking about himself to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to come out or in. Um, And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. So what does he ask for? Verse 9. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. So he asks God for wisdom. And this is a very pleasing thing to God. Um, was he a little child? Well, my study Bible says Solomon probably just uses that phrase because he feels inadequate 
in view of the great task that confronts him. So, uh, no, he's not a little child, uh, but uh, it, it basically, he's confessing that he's just pretty much ignorant of what to do on basic governing and this type of stuff. After all, he's been raised in a privileged environment. So, verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word, behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So Solomon wakes up. He thinks it's a dream. But the first thing he does is he comes to Jerusalem, stands before the Ark of the Covenant, and often offers up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So we're going to see that God grants this wish. And the first thing we see is he has to decide on a court case. Two prostitutes come in, and one woman... Um, Basically, two women are saying the baby's mine. One woman accuses the other, says, you know, we both uh, delivered children. We're the only people in the house. And um, this other woman slept on her baby, killed her baby. So this other woman takes the dead baby, gives it to me while I'm sleeping in the night, and takes my living child. The next morning when I look up and I wake up, I inspect both babies, and I realize that my baby is with this other woman, and she must have put her dead baby in my bed with me. Of course, the other woman says, no, this living baby is my baby, and the dead baby is not my baby. So you got two women here contesting. They're fighting over, you know, the living baby. So what does Solomon do? It's a, it's a legal quandary. There are no witnesses. So, you know, Solomon in his wisdom now says, down to verse 24, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king, and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half um, to one and half to the other. That's the only way we're going to solve the problem. Verse 26, then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, O oh my lord, Give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall neither be mine nor yours, divide him. And then the king answered, Give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard the judgment that the king had rendered and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. An amazing verdict. 
we come to chapter 4, and the first, I would say, looks like 19 verses are just about, um, it's just a long list of people's names who were Solomon's officers, and it speaks a little bit about how he divided the nation into 12 districts, and he had 12 officers over each district, one officer over each district. And those districts were sort of economic zones, and these economic zones were to provide one month out of the year provisions for the kingdom here in Jerusalem to the king's kingdom. And so um, it was an efficient way of allowing economic freedom, but um, sort of a taxation system where they they just supply provisions once a month. And so the nation thrived. So we get down to verse 20. Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. They ate and drank and were happy. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines to the border of Egypt. And they brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. And then it lists all the provisions just for one day of Solomon's um, of his household. And then Judah and Israel, down in verse 25, lived in Israel in safety. Uh, Solomon, and then it goes, I mean, so it talks a lot about Solomon's greatness here. It's really the, the peak of Israel's uh Glory, the, the zenith of Israel's power and wealth in biblical times, as my study Bible points out. And, uh, but then you get a little bit of flavor of him making mistakes. Uh, verse 26, he had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And you sound, it sounds like that's great, sort of on face value, but there was an Old Testament rule that the king must not acquire many horses for himself. In other words, don't build up big armies for yourself. You don't need them. You have God on your side. and But Solomon did. So he's sort of breaking the rules. And um, so God gave Solomon wisdom, verse 29, and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed all the wisdom of the people of the east and the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrite and Hermon and Kael and Darda, the sons of Maal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. In other words, he was a rock star king. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees and hyssop. You know, he knew a lot of plants. He spoke of the beasts and of birds and reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So, people would come to learn from Solomon, because he was educated, looks like, in all the natural sciences. So, that's where we'll stop today, with Solomon and his wisdom. So, today we'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali, if she's able to, to record today. 
Uh, and as always, for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you here next time tomorrow. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from First Kings chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. First Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, verse 34. So we saw last time in our study, the death of David and his son Solomon comes to the throne and, you know, the first thing he did that Solomon is he married a daughter of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And this was actually a great mistake that he, um, that he will finally, that's, that's going to be his final um, undoing. So in Solomon, you know, we do not find in him, you know, that longing, that deep longing for God in his life like David actually had. But he did recognize his shortcomings. And the first thing he did after he married the daughter of Pharaoh, and he should have done this before he married, he went to the Lord and asked for wisdom. And it was because the Lord had said to him, you ask what you want and I will give to you. So Solomon was inadequate, just like you and me are today. And God recognized this. So you and me, you, you and I, we can't live the Christian life. And God never asked us to do it. He asked that he might live it us and now he wants to do something through Solomon so let me just go back and read verse 5 of chapter 3 of 1st Kings and it reads at Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said ask what shall I give you so Solomon actually here when the Lord asked him this, Solomon recognizes his deficiency, you know, made and he made a request based on that. Verse six is where our teaching starts from and it reads, and Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with with you. You have continued you have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. So here we see Solomon recognizes that he was attempting to fill the shoes, but not the, he was attempting not to fill the shoes of David, but um, the throne of David. And this was, you know, no easy task. So he was holy and totally inadequate. Scripture goes on to read verse 7. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go about, how to go or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous, and too too numerous 
to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? So he made, um, here we see Solomon, he made a very interesting and very wonderful request. You know, unfortunately, there are so many people today that are attempting to actually serve God that, you know, don't seem to recognize they are wholly inadequate. And this puts us in a position where God um, can help us if we actually recognize that we are not adequate, we are inadequate. So Solomon is asking for an understanding heart to judge God's people. So Solomon prayed for political wisdom here, that is, the ability to know how to judge and rule over these people. No, the ability to be a statesman, a good statesman, a just statesman, and to make great national decisions. So he's not praying for spiritual discernment. You know, in the, you know, we can just, in the books of Solomon, in the books that Solomon wrote, that's um, in the book of Proverbs and the Ecclesiastic, we actually find wisdom that will guide one down here in this world, a man down here in this world. And Proverbs is a reasonable book for, you know, a young man to be given to start out in this world today. So in the Song of Solomon, however, he, he reveals real spiritual discernment. So what Solomon is praying for here is what God gives him. Um, you know, and God gives him the type of wisdom to actually help him rule and make proper decisions. So, you know, Dr. David McGee, I remember once, said, actually even scripture, you know, God gives abundantly. You know, we ask for one thing, he will give I don't know, a hundred times more. Look at Solomon. He asked for political wisdom. And God gave him wealth. And as long as he obeyed God, God gave him more life. Um, healthy life. And, you know, and spiritual wisdom. You know, the Spirit spoke through Solomon. So verse 10 goes on to read. The speech pleased the Lord, and Solomon asked, had asked that someone had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and have not asked long life for yourself, or have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding <clears throat> to discern justice. Um, so here, verse. Here, um, like like we said earlier, he has asked for understanding to make life decisions. And today we don't have, we don't have the kind of leaders who have, you know, wisdom. Um, they, these leaders today just they just come and say, "I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that," and we know clearly they're not gonna do what they're saying they're gonna do. You know, we don't have leaders who come and actually admit their shortcomings and say, "I can't do this, but I am gonna learn." how to do it, and do it in a just way. I mean, this would be like a scandal. So we, we have leaders who would not admit, like Solomon did, that, that, you know, I cannot be like my father. Verse 12 goes on to read, Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart 
so that there is there has not been anyone like you before nor shall any like you arise after so solomon you know does stand out as being a you know a wise ruler and he wrote the book of proverbs and ecclesiastes and we find human wisdom on the highest plane inspired by god verse 13 goes on to read and i have also given you what you have not asked both riches and honor so that you shall not be anyone like um also given sorry and i have also given you both what you have not asked both riches and wisdom so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days so if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my covenant and my commandments as your father david walked then i will lengthen your days see like i said god gives abundantly god gives more than we actually ask so here the standard of measure is david and this is uh, a human standard it's not a very high standard because david wasn't perfect he made a lot of mistakes but very few of the kings ever came up to that standard verse 15 goes on to read then solomon awoke and indeed it had been a dream and he came to jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the lord offered up burnt offered up burnt offerings offered peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants okay so um Here, you know, the burnt and peace offerings, they actually point, they all point to the Lord Jesus Christ. The burnt offerings speak of who he is. The peace offerings speak of the fact that he made peace by the blood of the cross, of his cross, because of who he is. He's able to bring us into the right relationship with God so that the guilt of our sins may be removed. So, you know... So the burnt of offering is actually speaking of who Christ was to us. He was our savior. Um, he was our God. And the peace offering is speaking of, um, you know, we have peace because of the blood of the cross. Verse 16, and I'll read down all the way through to verse 27. reads now, two women who were harlots came Actually, this this here, yeah, this story here, it's it's actually um demonst you know it's, we have a demonstration of Solomon's wisdom, and this is one of the many examples that actually happened during his life as ruler, and we see that Solomon brings um you know the kingdom to its zenith. So there's peace and prosperity that's actually marked his kingdom and rule. So, let me just read verse 16, down through to verse 27. Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, O my lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth, and we were together for 
on one of no one of us with sorry and we were together no one was with us in the house except for the two of us in the house and this woman's son died in the night because he lay she lay on him so she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him on her bosom and laid her head her dead child on my bosom and when i rose in the morning to nurse my son there was there he was dead but when i examined him in the morning indeed he was not my son whom i had born then the other woman said no the living one is my son and the dead one is your son and the first woman said no but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son they thus they spoke before the king and the king said to <clears throat> and the king said um the one says this is my son who lives and your son is dead is the dead one and the other says no but your son is the dead one and my son is the living one then the king said bring me a sword so they brought the sword before the king and the king said divide the child into two and give half to one and half to the other then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king for she yearned with compassion for her son and she said oh my lord give her the living child and by no means kill him but the other um said let him be neither mine nor hers but divide him so the king answered and said give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him she is his mother and um all of israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered and <clears throat> they feared the king for they saw that the wisdom of god was in him to administer justice so yeah here here we see a demonstration of solomon's wisdom so solomon we actually call we can call the prince of peace you know while david a man of war but the peace that solomon and his subjects enjoyed was made by david um, the man of war so we have forgiveness of sin today because you know there has been a great sacrifice the blood has been shed he made peace by the blood of his cross that we can enter into this particular peace um and um you know for us to actually enjoy peace a great sacrifice had to be made and that was um you know the blood of the cross just like for these people to enjoy the peace that they're enjoying during solomon's reign they had to um yeah they had to have gone through like so many wars during david's time so now we get to chapter four and chapter four verse one it reads so king solomon was king over is all of israel so we have you know now a list of um a list of princes and some 
were sons of the sons of David. So that means they were <coughs> Solomon's nephews. That's given here. I won't go through them. They're a little bit harder to pronounce. But I'm going to drop down to verse 5. And verse 5 reads, Azariah, the son of Nathan, over the officers, Zabad, the son of Nathan, um, a priest and the king's friend. Um, so here we have Nathan mentioned here and this apparently was um you know one of the sons of david that david had and he named his son after nathan the prophet so we have here azariah the son of nathan over the officers zabot the son of nathan a priest and the king's friend so those are so nathan um yeah the other nathan the other son who was here was nathan Hmm. the priest's um, son. Now let's drop down to verse 7, and verse 7 reads, And Solomon had twelve governors over all Israel who provided food for the king and his household. Each one made provision for one month a year. So we have here, this was Solomon's method of taxation. And twelve here meant, you know, there were... There was one of each tribe, uh, the 12 tribes that actually um, paid taxes. Those are terms. So I'm going to drop down all the way to verse 20 and it reads, And Judah and Israel were numerous <clears throat> as the sand of the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and rejoicing. So this was, a, you know, this was actually a time of great prosperity. You know, the wars were over, and it was time, you know, it was a time of peace. Verse 21, goes on to read. So Solomon gained, sorry, so Solomon, I think, sorry. So Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. So this was, you know, a great time. There was plenty and there was peace. And this, what we have here is, you know, a little preview and adumbration of the millennial kingdom that is to come. And it was just like a little glimpse, a little short time of what we are going to have in the millennial kingdom. There'll be peace and plenty. Verse, dropping down to verse 23. It reads, And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan as far as Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. So, you know, the thing that things that we can note here in this verse is, you know, it was a time of security and safety. What we don't have, and this is something we don't have today. And, you know, scripture in Isaiah says, There is no peace, says the Lord, to the wicked. And there is no peace. But when the Prince of Peace comes, peace is coming on earth. So in that day of Solomon, Solomon, sorry, everyone dwelt 
under their own vine and fig trees. And this actually tells us that there was an equal distribution, you know, between um let's see labor and capital. There was just an equal distribution of resources. So each man has his own possession. Verse twenty six goes on to read Solomon had forty thousand stalls of horses for his chariots and twelve thousand horsemen. Here now we see um you know to a little spot in Solomon's life and you know the horse was the animal of war and God had forbidden to actually breed it and let's see that was in Deuteronomy 17 verse 16 let me just quickly turn there and it reads but he shall not multiply horses for himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt in to multiply horses for the lord has said to you you shall not return that way again so the lord had actually forbidden uh, to multiply horses as well as wives um, and solomon actually multiplied both women and horses when you know scripture god actually speaks against it and solomon here we see a spot in his life Dropping down to verse 29, it reads, And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of his heart, like he, like the sand of the seashore. So we're told um, here something of Solomon's wisdom. Verse 30 goes on to read, That Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt and the wise men actually came from the east. Verse thirty one goes on to read, For he was wiser than all men than Ethan the Ezra Heights and Herman Chalcor and Dada, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. Verse thirty two he spoke three thousand proverbs, and his songs were one thousand and five. And here we only have one song, and you know we only have very few proverbs, very few things. Um, yeah, three thousand proverbs. We don't have three thousand proverbs. So, um, Solomon was a songwriter. Verse thirty-three goes on to read, and also he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon even to the hyssops that spring out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish. So, you know, he was, like, he was well-versed in all these things. And men of all nations from all kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And this was kind of like the genesis of science. So he gained actually worldwide reputation for his wisdom. Solomon was a wise man and, you know, he prayed for understanding and better judgment and discernment to actually rule over his people. And God gave him not only that political wisdom, God gave him more. Whatever we ask, God will give us more as long as we live by his statutes and his commandments. So this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening and God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye. Thank you.